a bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering evangelical. What could go wrong? This is the Messy Spirituality Podcast with Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and Jason Elam. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Messy Spirituality Podcast. I'm Jason Elam, and I am excited to be joined by our two co-hosts. Introduce yourself, guys. Hi, I'm Lola, your favorite what the fuck Bible story narrator and your local Birmingham hooligan that changes her hair color every five minutes. I'm so happy to be part of this conversation. And I hope that you are hydrated and stretched today and said something nice to yourself. Hey, everybody. And I'm Kyle. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. <laughs> oh, Kyle, I couldn't even get through it. Before I I'm sorry. Wow. That was really good, though. Whoa. The authenticity. That was awesome. We ought to put that in the intro of this podcast from now on. Agreed. That was legendary, Kyle. Good job. Wait, wait. It's a, wow. a, a nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody? Who can save anybody. <laughs> I knew an anybody had to be in there. <laughs> All the bodies. All the bodies. <laughs> are buried under the church now. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Great. I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good. I'm feeling good. Thank you. Okay, Jason, how good. are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, so what is going on in your world this week? You know what? This week has flown by. I'm working on a project remodeling a basement. And the funny thing about my work is no matter how much I think I'm going to accomplish, I can never seem to get there. So the week has flown by. I'm behind schedule. But it's, an, it's good in a way because I'm always going to have work in a sense. So my week's going very fast. Productively, but seemingly not productively. I love seeing all that your projects. Sense. I love seeing your work. You, you. you seem real busy all the time. So I, I, hope, yeah. I hope everything's thriving with you. It's going really good. good. Really, really good. Where are you seeing his work? I'm missing out. What? On, like, he posts on... I think it's Instagram, Instagram. stories. Is it? It hasn't really? been. A, it hasn't been a whole lot. Just a, a, I recently lot, just. But... I recently just started posting some stuff. So. Oh, the on your stories, those newfangled things that dangle at the top <laughs> of the page. <laughs> yeah, I'm the old man of the group. If you can't tell, he's not with it yet. I'm still figuring out the stories. <laughs> I thought the stories were those shows my grandma watched in the middle of the day. Her stories, yeah, the stories. Watching my stories, yeah, General Hospital and such. All my exactly. children. See, you know. Oh well, yeah, I, I don't know. know what that is. General Hospital. Oh, Lola. I'm sorry. You're such a young pup. <laughs> I'll leave now. Bye. <laughs> bubbly. Bubbly young pup. Thank <laughs> you. What about you, Jason? How are you? I- I'm doing really well. Everything here, beachside, is going very well. And uh, we're enjoying, now that the tourists have all gone home, which is, <laughs> is really nice. You know, I forget that happens where you live. <laughs> yeah, it gets really, really busy here. It gets hard to go places sometimes, you know, if you have to pass the bridge over to the beach. Yeah. You you sometimes will just, you know, change your mind and go somewhere the other direction just so you don't have to deal with all that. Yeah. But Brandy and I try to watch as many sunsets as we can 
from the beach. Mm. And uh, it's a whole lot easier to get in and out of there quickly now in the parking lot. That's so romantic. It's awesome. Well, yes, romance is what Brandy and I are all about. Absolutely. (laughs) She's she's actually sitting here watching me. She's laying in the bed because she has a migraine and she's tolerating me doing a podcast while she has a migraine. Hi, Brandy. I'm sorry. Lola said, hi, Brandy, and I'm sorry. She's <laughs> waving at you. I'm wearing headphones, so she can't hear you. But um, <laughs> yes. So uh, yes, we're all about the romance, aren't we, babe? She's laughing. <laughs> Shaking her head. She's so good. Thinking, if you only knew. <laughs> okay. So yes. So Lola, did you answer? How's everything for you? Oh, um, well, yeah, everything's good. I was featured this week on two different podcast, uh, This Is Not Church, which I highly recommend that everyone listen to with John and Nat Turney. They're super nice bearded guys and they they drank a lot while we were talking. It was really fun and they're just the best. They're my new dads. They are the best. Indeed yeah. they are. Also, I was featured on uh, Meet Me at the Table podcast last night and Stephen and Missy were so much fun to talk to. They're so just authentic and genuine and wonderful. And we had a dog party on Zoom afterward and showed all of our dogs to each other. And it was awesome. So please wow. check out Look that. Look at Zoom. you getting popular. <laughs> I don't know about that. They they literally said like, we've had both of your other co-hosts on here. So we got to put you on here. <laughs> oh, Nat and John said that. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because I've never, I, I don't know the people behind Meet Me at the Table, but you need I to talk to them. Their social media stuff. You've got to talk it's to Stephen. Really good. They're amazing. Yeah. yeah, I love them. Awesome, John and Nat. I am big fans of for sure. Um, Nat uh, is the kind of pastor that I wish I could have been. And John, I just, John's just one of my favorite humans. I mean, he's just got a no-nonsense approach to life that I love. It's really refreshing. Um, I love to hear him process his relationship with God that is not forced on anybody else. And it's uh, very, I don't know. I just, I love those guys. And I'm glad you got a chance to hang out with them. When did, when will that episode release? Good question. Um, they actually didn't tell me. I know the one for Meet Me at the Table is either going to um, be up this Friday. What is tomorrow? I just forgot the date. September 2nd, or it will be on Monday the 5th. So to those of you who are listening... It's already available right now. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to this podcast, <laughs> forget the dates that she just mentioned. <laughs> she was caught in a time warp there for a second. Of course, this broadcast is live whenever you listen to it. Yeah. All right. So the Meet Me at the Table will be available when you hear this podcast. John and Nat Turney's the Meet... Uh, this is not church. They're like actual professional podcasters. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know that that's a thing because I'm certainly not one of those people. But there are podcasters who like record months in advance. And that's what John and Nat do. So you might be on social security by the time that episode comes out. <laughs> I might be. Okay. No, yeah. I'm just playing. No, they, they, they record a month or two ahead. And they're fantastic at what they do. Friends, if you have not heard This Is Not Church, please check it out. And Meet Me at the Table is awesome as well. And we're excited to hear our own little sister, Lola. (laughs) Did you tell Twisted Bible Stories? No, I don't. Wait, my whole life is just a Twisted Bible Story in a lot of ways. (laughs) Well, that's true. That's true. Maybe, (laughs) but no, not really. What would that book be called? Um, The... (laughs) The really horrible veggie tale. 
that isn't funny or cute. Okay. Yeah. What vegetable would that be? I think I would really like to be, I think I would like to be (laughs) a zucchini. (laughs) Is that a fruit? I think it has seeds. Hold on. Never mind. I don't, I'm exposing how stupid I am right now. And I feel like Kyle is laughing in the background. And I feel like he's not. Okay. He's trying to figure out are they really trying to be funny right now? Because this is not <laughs> funny. There was a zucchini and veggie tales, just so you know. <laughs> All right. So this week, there has been a lot going on. Uh, there's been the, the uh, Mar a Lago watch. Is Trump getting indicted? Is he not? Uh, tonight, as we record this, since Lola's already let that cat out of the bag, we are recording this on September 1st. <laughs> Thursday night, President Biden is making a speech right now calling out MAGA Republicans as semi-fascists and kind of drawing a line. You know, uh, if you support what happened on January 6th, then you don't support law enforcement and things of that nature. So uh, it's an interesting time to be alive. We're seeing a lot of things happen in our country that I never thought we would see growing up. But um, does any of this have, is this causing you guys anxiety at all? Or do you think about this much? Or is this just something that's playing out in the news? For me, not really. I was at the gym tonight and I don't watch the news. So maybe that's another reason why it's not really causing me any anxiety or stress. Uh, but I was at the gym tonight and, on, you know, the, the gym I go to, they have TV screens. And if you plug in your headphone to whatever machine you're working in, you can watch one of the TVs. Uh, but I didn't do that. But I saw on one of the TV screens that they had a, a, a poll that they were asking, do you think we're headed for a civil war? Now, those numbers were pretty high across these different demographics that they were, they were polling these people. The, the numbers are pretty high, that the possibility that these people believe that we can go into a civil war. And that caught my attention. And um, that, that, that makes me think. Because you never know. I mean, honestly, you never know. I mean, if I'm honest, I, I never thought Trump had any shot of winning the presidency. I most certainly didn't think that, that this cult would develop as a result of it. So who knows? Who knows? It's a really interesting question. My mom texted me yesterday my 68-year-old mother who listens to this podcast religiously. Hi, mom. Um, texted hey, mom. me yesterday, do you think we're headed for a civil war? Um, so it's like a question a lot of people are thinking about. How did that poll turn out, Kyle? Were people thinking yes, that we would? Yeah, the, the percentages of yeses were, you know, in the high 40s across the board. Um, and, you know, I, I, that to me was alarming. That is a little bit alarming. Well, you know, at times like this, it's good to have our resident MAGA expert, Auntie Lola, (laughs) to turn to, to explain what the hell these people are thinking. Thanks, I hate it. (laughs) Thanks, I hate it. Um, Okay, but I... So, Lola, um, as a former cult member of the MAGA cult... Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think about all this today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't run in those circles. I feel like I need to say it again. I am no longer part of it. 
So I really don't keep up with it that much anymore. You still know the secret handshake, right? (laughs) I guess so. Um, (laughs) Okay, that's what I thought. You mean just the one that's like oppress everyone around you if you're not white? Anyway. um, Exactly, that one. Yeah, so I'm not that surprised that it's gone this way um, because we already saw how radical the whole MAGA movement became even at the the very like head of, of 2016. Um, I'm not surprised it's come to this, but it's, I'm not really sure if a civil war is necessarily going to happen. I'm not sure something like that is brewing. I don't think it, at least like a, a really major catastrophic one is going to happen. I don't really know because these are a bunch of privileged people. And it's like, even if civil war does break out, and it's because of them, and they're the catalyst behind a bunch of violence. I mean, we've seen it in the past. They get off like they're not—they're not really charged or anything. There's no repercussions for them. So, I mean, this is kind of like—I feel like in about twenty years, the way that we like people, I guess, around my age, kind of view like the KKK is like, you know, it's completely done away with now, and like that—that that was a bad thing that happened. I feel like this is going to be that in 20 years. Like, we'll look back and be like, wow, that was bad. That's not around anymore. So the red, the red hats will be the white hoods. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So... Wow. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just spitballing here. Um, well, I hope so. I hope you're <laughs> I hope you're right. I don't want this to turn violent. I just don't... I don't get the point. Like, this is not a dictatorship. Think, right. And I think the the thing that scares me and the reason I think there could be an uprising of some kind is because of what you just said about these being privileged people who are not used to being held accountable. Mm -hmm. And that's why Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina said on Fox News, I think last Sunday, that if Trump is indicted, there will be riots in the streets. Well, just think back to the Black Lives Matter movement. Who criticized the rioting more than anybody? Literally MAGA. The MAGA circle, right? (laughs) Yeah. These same people who are now talking about taking to the streets. Why? Because the former president broke the law. He took documents out of the White House that should never have left the White House. And now he's claiming them as if they're his own, some of which apparently contain the most closely guarded secrets of our country about human intelligence in other countries at a time when a number of our human assets in other countries have been identified by those countries and murdered or imprisoned. And so, yeah, it's very concerning. Obviously, we don't know anything for sure yet. Those are the allegations. But when people who are not used to being held accountable start getting held accountable, they might rise up and fight back. But the thing that's comforting to me, Kyle, is it seems like there's fewer of them than they think there are. Right, right. And any uprising probably isn't going to last very long. Right, right. You know, I I was really, I, 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 there's, a, there's a former Facebook friend of mine. I thought we were really, really close and really good friends. And one day I realized we were no longer Facebook friends at her doing, so that shocked me. That but, happens to you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, but anyway, I, I, I and I, when I say I thought we were close, we we talked on the phone regularly, um, things of that nature. So 
I, I had noticed that she had started posting a lot of, you know, Trump stuff. And I had, a, I had a very curious question for me because when this all started uh, back in 2015, you know, going into 16, I, I guess I, I probably still considered myself a Christian back then. And I just couldn't understand why Christians were flocking to this guy. That, that confused me. Because all I heard was rhetoric of hate and division and fear and division. I, I, I couldn't understand why he had such Christian support. John Hagee, a very well-known evangelical pastor, literally had said, if you don't vote for Trump, you're going to have to answer to God himself. Uh, you know, I was like, I was talking to my buddy about it, and I was like, so how does that conversation go exactly? <laughs> hey, God, yeah, look, yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't vote for him because, you know what, I just couldn't get around all the hate talk and all the division talk and all the fear talk and, you know, all this stuff that you're supposed to be against. So if you're upset at me because I didn't vote for him, then I don't know what to tell you. But I thought I was following your principles on this one. But Kyle, why did you not want to make America great again? When I hear that, all I hear is, let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to subjugation of women. Let's go back to uh, this, this wretched time where one group of people, white men, were in power and controlled everything. That's all I hear when I hear, let's make America great That's again. Right. Because yeah. the next question is, when was America ever great except for the demographic of white men? Mm -hmm. Throwing up right. noises. Throwing up noises. <clears throat> no, you're absolutely right. There was, um, it's like Trump appeared or he came on the scene. I mean, we knew who he was, right? I mean, yeah. he made a cameo appearance in Home Alone 2. That's the most memorable Trump. <laughs> he was in a Bobby Brown video once. A Bobby Brown video. Wow, a Bobby Brown video. <laughs> let me, let me say this real quick I mean, if I can. Let, let me, if I can. I live in New Jersey, very close to New York. Most black people admired Trump. Then he was this mogul. He was this dude. You kind of said, yeah, I want to be, you know, Trump is the man. We admired Trump until he opened up his damn political mouth. Well, the appeal to it was he wasn't the typical politician. I mean, he didn't normally run it in those same circles with everybody. He was at Mike Tyson fights. Yeah, he was fun. <laughs> there's there's tons of pictures of him with black celebrities. Yeah. So we thought he was a cool dude. Mm -hmm. Until. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes, you know, when you're in a position like that, whether it's presidential or just celebrity status, you have to turn something on where you're an entertainer. Even if you're a politician, you're turned on when you're in front of the cameras and when you're out in public. And honestly, sometimes I just want to know, is, is he actually like that behind closed doors? Like when it's just him? Is this a front for the agenda of MAGA and everything else, like Republican concepts? Or is this truly like who he is, you know? Just a thought. I tried to like humanize them more. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. It's hard to, but... Right, yeah. It, 
it feels like, you know, amassing power kind of revealed that the thing he was really about was amassing power. And he doesn't seem to be particularly sold out to any individual principles because his opinions on so many things have changed over the time that he's been in public life. Great deal. And so it feels like he appeared, like I would say, he, he appeared in 2015, 2016, when white America was starting to feel the country slipping away. It won't be very much longer before white America is no longer the majority of our population. It wasn't what we were supposed to be in the first place. So, I mean... Absolutely right, yeah. I don't know why we're trying to get away from it so... Like, why we're still trying to act like we're still part of England? (laughs) I mean, it's about diversity. It feels like... Yeah, it is. And it should be. But it feels like um, white America is terrified that other cultures and ethnicities will treat us the way we've treated them once they're in charge or once there's more of them than there are of us. And that is terrifying, especially to an older generation of white Americans who have never known anything other than white power. Damn, I didn't even think about it that way. Absolutely. 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 You know, the the election of Barack Obama in in two, uh, what, 20, was it two, no, not 2000, um, 2008. Right. How we felt as African Americans, maybe Hispanics and the Asian population and, and different demographics, how we felt, most of us cried. I mean, that's how significant that was. Most of us watching the inauguration, not the inauguration, but the election night results were crying. We had an election night parties all across the country. I went, I live in a pretty urban town and I went to vote and I had never had to stand in line. The line was blocks long at 6 a.m. in the morning. I had never seen or been part of anything like that on a national level of election. It fueled great hope and optimism that maybe, just maybe, America was going to live up to its creed and live up to its virtues of what it said it believed. And I thought, hey, we're here. And it's never going to go back. It can't go back. America has proven itself to be really a place that is healed from its ugly history. And then we, we, we got it again in 2012. And when 2016 came along, I was just as optimistic because I thought, wow, we're going to go from the first Black, African-American, or whatever you want to call it, president to the first woman president. Oh, my God. We're really making progress. I mean, this is incredible. And then the reality of 2016 hit, and it seems as if we have cascaded backwards so, so far. 
and it's depressing and it's demoralizing. And quite honestly, it's scary. It won't be this way for long, I don't think. Because everyone that's older and that's been, you know, in their political positions for so long, they're all getting so old, they're all dying out. (laughs) So I feel like now is the time for people with better, pure intentions and motivations to finally step up and take over and to put us back on track towards progressing. I mean... I hope that's true. Me too. I really do. I don't know that it's that simple. It feels like... idealistic. I know I am. No, but that's a good thing, right? Me too. You're young enough that you haven't lost hope yet. And Kyle, even though he's, you know, an older (laughs) guy like... He's an older guy, but he's more idealistic than I am. And I appreciate that about Kyle. I, I, I love the fact that he hasn't lost faith in humanity. We can't lose hope. It's the thing with wings. We can't lose it. Exactly. Can't lose hope in wings. Here's my theory, all right? Barack Obama was Star Wars. What? Here we go. This is Nerd Talk. <laughs> You're listening to Nerd Talk Live. Um, A new segment. Barack Obama was Star Wars. And Donald Trump was white America's The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, All right, this was, <laughs> Donald Trump was a response to the first black president. Um, I don't know if that makes Joe Biden Return of the Jedi or not. And we all know... It doesn't feel like three, it though, right? The other two trilogies were terrible. So I don't know what comes after this. But what were you saying, Kyle? You don't feel like it feels like uh, Return of yeah, the Jedi right now? It, it doesn't. It doesn't feel that way. Now, I do appreciate the normalcy that Biden has returned to the office. I really appreciate that. I mean, we're not getting news reports every day of something ridiculous coming from the White House. So that's refreshing (laughs) that we seem to have come back to some normalcy of what we expect from the the highest office in the land in regards to our presidents. So that part is refreshing. Now, I don't don't know where we go from here. Now, again, I, I, like Lola, I'm very optimistic. I've been saying for a long time as well that I do think that as the older generation dives off, that we... You know, we we tend to, this young generation coming up, Lola's generation, generation behind it, I love it because they seem to be a no-nonsense generation. Listen, we're for everybody. And that's overwhelmingly, seemingly the, the, the feeling I get from the generations behind me. And I love that. I'm so excited about that. And I am too extremely optimistic that as we continue to progress, we step into this higher consciousness as we've always stepped into as humans. We continue to advance in this higher consciousness and we continue, we continually look at these old modalities and say they no longer serve us. They're ugly. They're nasty. We don't want them. And the, the, Jason described it earlier that white power grab, this last, I think it's the last ditch effort to hold on to something that it's, that they've had for so long, but it's inevitable. You're going to lose it. It's going to collapse. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And we're all going to be better for it, including you speaking to that group. Amen. Preach, preach y'all. Yeah. Every now and then I get the, I get the, I get the twitch to preach. I love it. No, no both have like this default preacher voice. I've said it before. You just, you go into it. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, it's in a better intent now, better direction now, I think. I hope so. I love the Definitely. idea of 
humanity progressing forward, that the evolution continues, that we see the error of our ways and we let go of the things that have enslaved us in the past. Um, what does that look like practically, do you guys think? Kyle, you were just talking about it. What do you think it looks like practically for us to evolve to the that higher consciousness that you're talking about? Well, we've seen it, right? When I was a kid, we used to say faggot. And I don't mean any offense to anyone listening. And I don't mean this derogatorily, but I'm just using this as a, as a historical progression. As the faggot on board, I give you permission. <laughs> oh, thank you. We used to say that word. And it was okay to say, as far as I knew. You know, it wasn't like, don't say that word. Now, of course, if someone says that word today, it's very offensive. And I think it's, I think if it's offensive, then yeah, we should be paying attention to that. And that's just one way of an example how we've grown in this consciousness to become aware of, of, a, of a group of people who has once been vilified and made to feel as if they don't belong. Now, if this word is used in, in any segment of the public or in any type of platform, you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your income. You're going to lose your, 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 your following. You're going to, you're going to take a big, heavy loss here. John Gruden, a very well, he's probably one of the most beloved Monday night football broadcasters, a beloved figure in the football community, had some emails that included some racist, homophobic, misogynistic language in them. He got fired fired. And we see this happening over and over again. So that's kind of what I mean about we're, we're, we're keep advancing to this higher consciousness, meaning the overall consensus, there's a, or let me say it this way, there's a bigger consensus of people saying, no, we're not tolerating that language, that behavior, that, that treatment of other people. We're more inclusive. We're going to continue to be more inclusive. And if anything violates the integrity of a group, we're going to stand against it. I love it. I hope that's what happens. It feels like it's happening. What do you think, Lola? Practically, I think it all starts with owning your shit, with saying, yeah, I'm living on stolen land and I'm living with you know, people who are the descendants of people who were persecuted by people like me. Um, and I check your privilege on everything. And then we can start to humble ourselves and... And put aside our pride and our own agendas and start looking outward a little bit more and uh, just asking people, how can I best serve you? Like, what can we do as a community to best serve each other? I think that's where it starts on a practical basis. I'm idealistic. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, I love it. I hope that's what the future looks like. You guys want to hear a story about bears? I do. Is okay. it time? It's time. <laughs> it's time. Did you hear that, everybody? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Auntie Lola's Bible Story. Hey! <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. So today uh, we're talking about bears, killer bears, in a sense. Um, so in Second Kings chapter 2, at the very end of the chapter, the prophet Elisha He's walking down a road and it, it says in multiple texts, a group of little children or children or boys started mocking him for being bald. 
And since they only up, you bald hair. <laughs> no, I'm imagining some little kid that it's like Baldy, get out of here, Baldy. Like <laughs> I don't know. Um, just something really stupid that you'd see in like a, a 90s sitcom. And so Elisha, after they mock him, he curses them. And then pretty much immediately, two bears run out of the woods and they maul all of the children. And it says there were about 42 children. I, I don't know what the context of them passing each other in such a large group. And then just Elisha's there. I don't know. But it says about 42 of them were there and they all were mauled to death by the bears. So um, the most common interpretation of this story is that, you know, everyone respect authority because God doesn't tolerate anyone, even kids who make fun of his like representatives, um, his prophets, his people. So modern Christians are starting to argue though, that these little children were actually not little children. It might be a mistranslation and it was actually about 42 male servants. And it seems that they were supposed to be killed by the the bears because they were worshiping idols and it wasn't necessarily taunting Elisha about anything. And this is just a really like off the wall story because I read the whole chapter trying to make sense, like the chapter before it and after it, just trying to make sense of how this little tidbit got in. And literally the whole chapter before this is just Elijah, before he gets taken up to be with God, he's asking Elisha like, hey, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? And he's like, oh, will you uh, double double portion of, I don't know, some kind of spiritual wisdom. Give me a double portion of your anointing, that your thing, mantle. That yes. thing. Yeah. So that's really it. It's just him kind of asking for, for some guidance and some gifting before he goes to be with God and then killer bears. So happy day. So the lesson that I learned growing up from this story was you don't F with the man of God. <laughs> no, no, if no. you do, the grizzlies will come. No matter where you are, they will find you and murder you and your gang of street kids. That I mean, 42 kids running around together, that, that's a school. Basically, the man of God murdered a school using bears. What kind of story is this? Kyle, what did you think of this one the first time you heard it? First time I heard it was as a little boy. And of course, it put fear in me. In the black, in our church growing up, and sometimes I reference it to the black church, but because there's certain sayings that we, we, we knew, right? And so one of those sayings is you don't play with God. So that, that was something that we heard a lot. We used to play church a lot. In our, in our, as kids, we used to imitate the older people in their shouting. So I, you know, somebody would, we would all put on like, we dress up in oversized church clothes and somebody would be the preacher and somebody would be this, that and the other. And we, we'd play church. And sometimes while we're playing church, um, let's say if something happened, someone fell or, or while, you know, they're trying to imitate someone shouting and they tripped and fell, a grown up would it seemingly instantly appear on the scene and say, see, that's why you don't play with God. <laughs> like, like God made the, the, you know, the other person trip. So we kind of grew up with this whole thing. So when I heard this story, it was just more reinforcement to me that you don't play with God. 
You do not play with God because God will get you. I was a pastor now at this point. So I was well into my 20s, into my 30s. And I used to say to my congregation, hey, listen, you don't play with God. You might leave this church today and get hit by a, 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 seven, a, a, a P86, which is one of our buses that ran in our town. I used to say that from the pulpit. That's how deeply embedded those fear-based stories were in me for so long. Wow. All right, Lola, give us the, uh, the youngster's take on this story. What does it do to you to, to read that story? You said you read the whole chapter. Yeah. Honestly, I, I'm hung up on the, this is possibly mistranslated, which is really, really possible with how often this text is edited. I, I'm just, <laughs> I never heard about this story as a kid, first of all. I, the only time I've heard about this was in the probably last five or six years. And even then, it, it was just very like, I didn't know that the kids had done something to cause their own demise kind of thing. I just thought it just happened. I didn't think that Elisha had cursed them and then suddenly bears ran out. Like I just, I thought Elisha walked by and saw a bunch of kids die. I wasn't sure the significance to it either. But the, I'm, I'm hung up on the part where this is possibly 42 male servants that worshipped other gods besides the, um, as they called the one true God. And I'm, I'm just thinking, this is really feeding into the whole notion of a narcissistic, egotistical God who is pretty much like, I'll smite you if you don't look at me all the time and sing to me all the time and bring me your burnt offerings and bring me all your nice things and stuff. So um, I'm just, <laughs> it makes me a little bit irritated <laughs> to think that that was possibly what happened. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... Yeah. To me, I mean, is that really better? No. Is it better to think that these were young men or, you know, a, a group of men instead of a group of children? Now, obviously, nobody wants to think, our God smites children. Our God sends bears to maul children. That sounds terrible. But... Is it any? Is it really any better if God sends bears to maul and devour people because they don't sing to Him; they sing to someone else? Is that? I mean, only Christian Americans would think this was an improvement on that story. I just don't know how you turn this into something good. Like, I can't imagine someone using this in Sunday school. I know it happens. I know it's happened before. It definitely does. Oh yeah. When the kids are getting oh, out of line, yeah. this story gets pulled out all the time. Oh yeah. There's a flannel graph of those bears, I'm telling you. I knew it as a kid. Yes, sir. <laughs> Here's what I think happened. I think some preacher wasn't getting enough respect. And he thought, you know what? Some, some, and he was probably bald. And so, some, so he starts telling this story about this prophet, this man of God. You don't mess with the man of God because, especially not the bald man of God, because he's closer to glory. He's got that crown of glory on his head. Mm -hmm. And you don't mess with him. And, uh, I'm saying this, this is like real Southern Baptist, like, preacher, Alabama preacher, coming up with this story. I mean, obviously, it happened way before the Alabama Baptists were no, a thing. No, we can lump the Alabama but that's then. That's I hear it in my head because those are my people. <laughs> and, um, but 
some preacher who's feeling disrespected comes up with a story like this and tells it as if it's a fact. I mean, that is the only place this story could come from, in my opinion. I don't understand why anybody would want to follow a God who mauls children with bears. I mean, I think about the stonings too that used to happen. Or like, isn't there some... I may be wrong about this. I'm thinking that there was some part of scripture that said that a child could be stoned if they disobeyed their parents or if they dishonored them in some way. Ultimate law, yeah. Okay, so like stoning? If you talk to your family, you could be stoned to death. That that part fucked me up as a kid. That, That was some heavy shit to think about. Literally, your own parents doing it to you. Like... I don't know. That that's what my nightmares are made of currently and forever. Just thinking about being stoned to death because that is a slow and painful, horrific thing and no one deserves it. I don't care what you've done. It's horrifying. And so many people have been stoned to death in the name of God. Yeah. <laughs> in so many countries. You know, in, in so many different religions. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I bet it still happens now. It does. It does. <laughs> okay. I have to it's horrifying. But speaking of messing with the man of God, mm-hmm. this week news broke that Matt Chandler, <laughs> pastor of the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas, a large Southern Baptist church that's been very influential over the last couple of decades. I first heard about Matt Chandler when he was battling brain cancer and they thought for sure he was going to die. And I remember praying for this guy to live. And he did. He went through treatment. He he and his wife were just this, you know, perfect young couple and they had kids and their church was very influential and he wrote a lot of books. Well, this past Sunday, he stood before his congregation and said that in February, a woman had confronted him in the foyer of their church saying that his private message exchanges with a woman had made her very uncomfortable. There had been this investigation. They brought in a law firm. The end result of the investigation, they said, was that it was not romantic or sexual in any way, but coarse joking that crossed a line. Now, did y'all hear about this story? Is this something that that y'all have heard about? I heard about it a little bit. I didn't know who he was until I saw a TikTok video where someone said or stitched a or showed a clip of one of his videos he he was that guy who demonizes deconstruction and called it you know it's not a sexy thing or a sexy thing or whatever he said about it um i didn't know who he was until i saw him make that clip and then i there was a flood of social media content about that and so the other day when I saw this latest TikTok video and they said this is the same guy who was, you know, practically beating up on people who go through deconstruction. Now look at him where he's at. I, I, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. I, I'm not surprised. You know, and I'm not, I'm not even surprised by the hypocrisy of it. Not even to the slightest. What do you mean by hypocrisy? The hypocrisy in of, this context. Of, you, you know, people of his of his stature standing up with the holier than thou. I know everything. No one knows anything but me. So my perspective on something that I don't know anything about, I'm gonna I'm gonna vilify it. 
But in the meantime, I have this, this whole shadow life that if it gets exposed, I'm going to be called out for it. And I don't think we should be casting stones at other people that we feel threatened by when we know good and well we've got a closet full of shit going on. So that's what I mean by the, the hypocrisy of it all. Why are you picking with us when you've got all this other mess going on in your own life? Yeah, I think this is kind of what Jesus was referring to, right? In the story where he's talking about taking the beam out of your own eye before you point out the splinter in your brother's eye. And from what I hear, that's not an original statement with Jesus. That story or that uh, analogy existed prior to Christ. But um, yeah, I mean, we get so busy pointing fingers at other people, we don't look in our own closet and see, you know, the scary stuff. And, And I think what's particularly um, surprising to people in this situation is that Matt Chandler was a proponent of the Billy Graham rule, right? The Billy Graham rule back in my Southern Baptist days said that men do not ever put yourself in a position where you're alone with a woman because that's obviously in the Southern Baptist thinking going to turn into sex. Every time. <laughs> or an accusation of sex. And so you cannot, cannot, cannot put yourself in a situation where, you know, you've got to be above reproach and you you make sure that no one can accuse you of anything by treating women as if they are the plague. And so if you're a proponent of that rule and you're talking all the time about how you're so protective of your marriage and all those things... Um, and then you get called out for something like this. I think the hypocrisy, that's what I said in our uh, Messy Conversations group conversation about this week. I think the, the biggest thing to me is the hypocrisy of it. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't, know, I don't know where the line needs to be on any of those things anymore. I used to be a heavy proponent of the Billy Graham rule. I really was. And that, I mean... Brandy and I have been together almost 15 years, but I would say the first 10 out of the 15, I definitely felt that way. Um, so much so that I used to give her grief when she would go, you know, she was the worship leader at our church for a while. And I'd give her grief if she was alone in the church building with the men who were on the worship team. No. <laughs> Especially if one of them showed up and the other ones weren't there. Um, and so this stuff is really steeped in me. And so I don't know what to do with all this yet. Now, Matt Chandler said, and the elder of the church that allowed Matt Chandler to share his own story said that their spouses knew about these conversations and were fine with it. Um, So I don't know. Where does that line go at this point? Have we evolved to the point where men and women can really be treated as equals without fear of something turning into an orgy every time men and women are together? Or do we need to, you know, is there a line somewhere that should not be crossed? I really wish we had the context of the the messages. (laughs) Um, I feel like that would make this conversation a lot easier. Um, But I'm so confused as to why this was offensive to that woman if it wasn't sexual. What do they call it? Coarse joking? Coarse joking. Yeah, that's a really... It's a blanket term for so many things. A really vague term. Yeah. Because like, was it racist? Was it sexist? Was it... 
I don't know. But yeah, I if both of their spouses were fine with it and they both consented to the conversation, honestly, I don't really see where an issue is. Um, obviously, if you're going to uphold certain values as a spiritual leader like that, um, you, you need to be a little more self-aware, I, I guess. But at the same time, this is also, this is a mega church pastor, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so mega churches very easily hide abuse and um, like misappropriations, uh, especially with the leaders. It's really easy to hide all of those things or to man- manipulate people where it's like, no, this isn't wrong. This is okay. What we're doing here is okay. And you know, me and you can do this too, because this is okay. So like a lot of that stuff I feel like is really heavily normalized within mega churches, just from my own personal experiences and what I've heard from others that grew up in a mega church. So Yeah, I, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think there's much more to this than the private law firm that they brought in to investigate. So I I think more will come of this. And I think that it's a good thing because women and children have been abused in churches and these church circles for so very long. And their voices are being heard more and more and more. And listen, being a pastor you know, people used to say it's so hard. It's so hard to be a pastor. And, and there is some, some, some hardness to it. There are some hard things that come with it. But when you're standing up there in front of congregations, whatever the size is, number one, there's this mystical idea that you are God's mouthpiece. You're anointed. And so already all eyes are on you when you take that stage, when you, when you pick up that mic. All eyes are on you. Every ear is tuned into what you have to say. And if there's any, any type of perceived anointing or spiritual flow that looks like, wow, he just touched her and she fell or he fell. <gasps> he just said those words and it seemed to be right on point. <gasps> He just prayed for that person and they got up. <gasps> if there's any of that spiritual wonder that's happening, these pastors are elevated to even a higher place of, ooh, ah. So when these sexual impurities and abuses start happening, it's very confusing, I think, to the victims who it happens to because they're, they're already in such awe of these people. And you look at them and say, oh my God, they, 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 they want to, they want me? <laughs> this anointed, this powerful man of God wants to, wants to, wants to have lunch with me? Now you're feeling special at first. Now you're feeling like, oh my gosh, out of all these people, they're, they're showing me interest. So it's it's very, very, very common that these things are happening. And I'm glad, again, that they're being exposed more and more and more. 
because it's wrong and it's abusive and it shouldn't happen. It fucks up your perception of God too. When we place a pastor or a spiritual leader as the mouthpiece of God, it fucks up your perception of God and what God is supposed to be to you, what it can be to you. And that messes up how you look at the world and people around you. And I feel like that's just a major downfall, especially for a lot of our, our, I hate to say our youth because I'm one of them, but like just youth <laughs> in general. Like it just... The it, youngsters, the young folk. Us like youngins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I agree with you, Kyle, that there's more to the story. You don't get a law firm because some lady in the church got uncomfortable about a, a, a set of instant messages. The, you know, I agree that if there's, if there's smoke there, there's probably something more to it. I don't know if it'll ever come out. But I'll tell you one of the most surprising aspects of this whole thing for me was if, you're, if you've done something that merits you stepping down from leadership, even though it's temporary, you should not get to be the one to get up and tell the story to the congregation. You, if you've done something that is worthy of you being removed from that position in that system that you're operating in, you don't get to frame that and make yourself out to be sympathetic. You don't get to start the conversation by saying, you know, I've been the pastor here for 20 years and I plan to be here another 20 years, which is how this conversation started. But the red flags were there very early. Um, as I told you, I, I was really pulling for Matt Chandler. I, uh, you know, before my deconstruction, I really thought a lot of him, had a lot of respect for him. Um, especially when I was going through cancer, I was really praying, seeking God and asking God to heal him. And, and he recovered. So I was grateful for that. So I felt a connection with him. We're the same age. He's, um, he's one of the most dynamic leaders in Southern Baptist circles. But the red flags were always there. I, I heard him telling a story the other day. It was actually a video from a marriage conference that he and his wife were doing together where he told the story about being the campus pastor at a church camp, a youth camp. And his wife, when he met her, was a student at the youth camp. This is not surprising. This is not surprising. Yes, of (laughs) course. The red flags were always there. And, but there, there are so many. And as you both have just said so eloquently, anytime you put a man on a platform or a pedestal, there's going to be a fall. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. Matt Chandler, if you want to be featured on our podcast, we'd love to have a discussion with you. This is a safe place for you. And we have some messy questions, though. <laughs> that might have to be a solo interview Matt as well. Chandler. I'm not sure if I want to <laughs> I was gonna participate say, in that one. <laughs> please join me <laughs> as I interview okay. you. <laughs> All right. Y'all, it's been another great conversation. I'm so grateful for y'all and for your roles um, on this podcast. Hey, on our next episode, we have a very exciting announcement <laughs> about a certain podcast network that we'll be launching in the Sweet. near future. My smile is so big right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's going to be fun. So yes. friends, please do tune in. We would love to have you with us as we make this big announcement of this network that we're going to be a part of. We're really, really excited about it. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Messy Spirituality Podcast to uh, be a producer of the show. 
play a role and help us decide on future topics that we talk about and support this podcast moving forward. We're so grateful for you listening, for your reviews and your ratings on all the podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be a part of the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Thank you, guys.